everybody could see David dancing to the wonderful intro music. They would never watch or listen again. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. This is David Lyons. And Megan Hanges. And we have a guest with us today, Amy Kiahi. I can never pronounce your name correctly. You have it correct. Kiahi. Good so, job. She, that's Hawaiian. So, hey, real fast, Amy. What is that long phrase that you said in Hawaiian one time? Her husband's originally from Hawaii. Can the, you say that? The full name? Yeah, of the, of the king or... So, oh, King Kamehameha? But well, anyway, my husband's original last name was Keahi Nui Makaha Haikalani Kuyeva. And, so, and for those of you who don't believe in speaking in tongues, we're going <laughs> to listen to that again. <laughs> wow. It means fire from heaven. That's a cool name. Yeah. Hey, So I what like does that. Keahi mean? Fire? Fire. Okay, well, that's good. That's short. Yeah. Well, welcome back again. Um, always a pleasure to be with you guys to the Atlas podcast. We don't have a cooler name, so if you guys can think of a cool name, please feel free to send them in. But uh, the reason we have Amy with us today is, one, we needed to fill time. <laughs> two, Amy, You know how to make your guests feel good. Uh, yeah. Two, Amy and I are in the same class, in a public relations class, and we need to do a podcast assignment, so we're hoping this counts. And three, because Amy's been the director of the original Atlas for how long? Since 2005, so... 17 years yeah, this 17 year. 17 years. So wow. you, but I've been there for 20 years. I've been the director for 17. So for those of you who don't know, um, Atlas Dispenser is... Each Atlas office is autonomous. And it was originally started... I think I may have mentioned this in one of the first podcasts, but I also kind of wanted to bring Amy in for the history. And so instead of me telling the history, I'll, I'll leave that up to Amy. But before we start... No, actually, we'll, we'll start with the history. You know, Amy, can you, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about, like, Jerry, Jerry Keeft, how Atlas started, and then how that has led to different offices and, and, and things like that? Would that be okay? Yeah, I'd love to. Feel free to jump in if you have any questions. Will do. Um, so in um, late 1999, um, Jerry Keeft, who was our founder, um, was um, dealing with some of his own career questions. Um, he uh, was actually at a church in Minnesota, and things didn't go well at that church. So he, um, somebody actually, um, after he came home from not things going well with that church, he came home, he went to church that morning, um, his home church, and somebody actually handed him a check, um, and a, a giant check. I don't know exactly how much the check was. It depends. Uh, the lore of Atlas is somewhere between ten dollars and $20,000. Handed him a check and said to Jerry, um, why don't you do that thing that you've always dreamed of, that, that thing of helping the hurting in our community? And so he thought, well, this is a pretty good start. And so he went and applied for his uh, nonprofit status, his 501c3, and he just started helping people. And, you know, at that time, um, he would just go out and find people who were hurting, and he would say, how can I help you? What, what would this look like? And uh, he would just run uh, to places where he knew people were hurting, and he would just kind of jump into the... Uh, the pain and the crisis that they were going through. And he, what, what, uh, in the early days, we always said we were mucking it up. He was just mucking it up and trying to figure out what this was and what this looked like. Um, he hired me in, uh, 2002. Um, and I was actually living in Des Moines at that time doing social work and, uh, moved back to Northwest Iowa, um, to, to marry the big Hawaiian that Keahi Nui Makahakalani Kuyeva. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I started working at Atlas and started helping women um, as Jerry was kind of doing the same thing with men and, and we were just kind of mucking it up. In about 2004, uh, Jerry 
started noticing that there were other communities that were saying to him, can we do what you're doing? And what would that look like? And how can we help people like you're helping people um, in the name of Jesus? What would that mean for us to jump in and do the same thing that you're doing? And so in 2005, Jerry actually quit um, working at the Atlas of Sioux Center in order to spend more of his time helping people who were trying to start a new atlas and then relationally connecting existing atlases. And so um, currently I will list where um, there are atlases and I, I don't, I think this might be up to date. So there's one in Greensboro, Georgia, um, Iowa Falls, Iowa, Lincoln, Nebraska, Laverne, Minnesota, um, Okaboji, Arnold's Park, Arnold's Park, yeah, Arnold's Park um, Orange City, Iowa, um, Pipestone, Minnesota, Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, Rock Rapids, Iowa, Sibley, Iowa, of course, Spencer, and um, Wilmer, Minnesota, and then Sioux Center, Iowa, and we have a satellite in Rock Valley, Iowa. So um, that's where the current um, Atlas locations are, and um, we're kind of constantly uh, entertaining ideas of people from other communities saying, how do I do what you guys are doing? How can I come and help uh, the hurting in my community in the name of Jesus? How can the church come alongside people who maybe we don't have reach um, into these people's lives and try to walk alongside them in order to bring them into the church and in order to help them to find Jesus um, in the context of um, mentoring and, and faith? Yeah, so I mean, those are those great kind of intro. Thank you, Amy. Uh, one thing I, when I first started at Atlas, uh, those of you maybe who know me, my wife and I were living in Peru and working there, um, and we came here, and I'm not an Atlas guy. I tell people that. I'm not even from Iowa. Um, never wanted to live in Iowa. It's too cold. Amen. And, um, yes. And when I first started, I got a call from Jerry, who has, you know, kind of relational authority. No, um, yeah, I'd say relational authority. And he said, bro, I don't care what you do as long as you do three things. I was like, okay, you know, what's that? He said, number one, help hurting people. Two, equip the church to reach those hurting people. And number three, unite the community in that endeavor. And so I kind of have my own um, pillars, I guess you'd call them, our values. And one of those is adding value to people's lives. And so, like, the question becomes, you know, how do you quantify certain things? Like a for-profit business, you can, you, you know if you're profitable. You can do customer service um, reports. You can do... You can do surveys. You can find out how morale is, so to speak. But how do you find out, like, something that is it's not necessarily quantifiable by a number? I'll give an example. There's a, Maybe I've shared it here before. There's a lady who shares this publicly. Years ago, she was kidnapped by a number of men, and you can imagine what happened to her. And so for her, she had a major issue sleeping at night, just constant, just the trauma. She's just terrified. Yep. So she would drag the bed into the middle of a room every night, and she would just scream all night long so for her being able to sleep through the night was value you know you know megan and i have young kids I mean, well your daughter acacia's eight, eight. ten you know so some of us are at a stage where sleeping through the night is also valuable yeah but Very um, valuable. for different reasons for yes. different reasons <laughs> but, and so um instead of instead of a quantifiable number i think in terms of value and um my starting point is i remember when i first started um pursuing my master's degree there's a class actually Amy and i took together a human resource management class and the first assignment was um, something along the lines of, what does, it made, what does it mean for someone to be made in the image of God? And I wanted to read that real fast. And um, Genesis 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may do these things. In verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
And so um, one thing that is also is kind of always my starting point. I'll, I'll give an example, and then I'll segue back to you, Amy. Is um, my starting point is the person with whom I'm sitting across at the table, uh, at in my office, at my home, on the phone, whatever it might be. You know, I, I always want to keep in mind that they're someone made in the image of God. You know, when maybe if my wife and I are having a disagreement, she's not my enemy, right? And, and so there's common ground there. But also for, for the person struggling with, uh, you know, I, I'll give you an example. There's this guy that came into my office yesterday that was needed a place to crash. He's homeless, so he was sleeping on the floor downstairs. And I was talking with him yesterday, talking with him today. He's, he's, he's going to be going to treatment tomorrow. And um, I was just telling him literally less than an hour ago, I'll call him John. That's not his name. I said, John. I just want you to know, I don't know why you do what you do. I don't know why you're, you're doing this or doing that or using this and using that. But I just want you to know that you're not a bum. You're not a loser. Mm-hmm. You know, you've made poor decisions that you have to own up to, of course. But you have value as a person. You're someone for whom Christ died. It's not and who you are. Yeah. What you've done is not who you it's are. It's not your identity. Yeah. And, and so because I, I, my question was, is okay, once you go to treatment and after 30, 60, 90 days, when you're physically clean, what is your starting point to stay that way? What's, you know, with the self-medication or you might want to call it. And so, yeah, it's just like, what is, John, I was just like, man, dude, you have value mm-hmm. and you have purpose and God has a plan for your life and it's not this. So, you know, what does it look like, you know, in every, every location is different, needs are different, um, communities are different. So there in Sioux Center, Amy, uh, what are some of the ways that you guys, quote, help the hurting, equip the church and unite the community? Yeah. Well, you know, to answer your question, and I think um, anybody who who is a part of a church probably understands that it's hard to quantify human relationships. Um, Sometimes churches try to quantify it by how many people are coming every Sunday. Well, that's not always a good indicator of, I mean, maybe you're just people pleasing. Um, And, you know, sometimes you have to say the hard truth to somebody and that might make them mad. And it's hard to kind of find that place where we quantify, are we doing a good job? Are we being obedient? And I, I really do think that um, the metrics of um, are we um, being obedient to the Lord? Are we healthy? Um, it, in, in the work that we do, um, in the world that we work in, there's just a lot of burnout. People quit quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just celebrated my 20-year anniversary at Atlas, and I that's a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm getting old. So How it's many a, times have you thought about quitting in that time period? Not that many, actually. Well, that's because you're amazing. Yeah. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly, I I love what I do, and I and there are definitely times when um, hurting people hurt people, yeah. right? And yeah. so when hurting people come to us, and we don't give them the handout they're looking for, or we don't uh, jump, we don't jump for them when they say that we should jump. Um, that isn't a measure of whether we're doing a good job and it it can't be my measurement. I mean, I, I, I often, um, for me, I think that what is healthy is to be able to say, I can't fix anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't harm anyone. Like Jesus does those things. And my only job is to be obedient to him and to measure myself by what he thinks of me rather than what anybody else thinks of me. Um, it's also really important, I think, to just try to create healthy staff culture and to try to equip our staff when when somebody uh, reaches out and tries to uh, stab you because they don't like how you acted in the situation, they don't like that you didn't fix the situation or rescue them, that um, they still know who they are too, you know, that we're investing each, in each other enough to really build each other up and, and recognize that. And so I think that's been, that's been really important. Um, but so, you know, to answer your question, you can do, um, 
client satisfaction surveys. Mm -hmm. And and those are valuable to learn maybe yeah. just bigger trends. Like, are we missing something? Um, is there is there a certain segment that we're not doing well? Um, in Sioux Center, uh, we have a, a large minority population of people who speak Spanish primarily. And so it was really important for us to work really hard to get somebody on our staff who speaks Spanish um, who is of the culture of the people who are in our community, and that's been a game changer. Um, and so, in addition, we did, you know, a lot of what we do is responding to the hurts that the people who are coming in. So, it could be somebody who's addicted, somebody who's homeless, somebody who has a broken marriage, and whatever it is, I feel like our job is simply to present the gospel and to show them who they are in Christ, to put up a mirror mm -hmm. and help them see what are the things that really you need to work through, and mm -hmm. what are some of the things that. Um, you really need to understand better about your relationship with God. And I feel like if we can simply fix those identity issues, we can walk through all kinds of really hard stuff. Yeah. That's so yeah. I think that that's really the metric. Like, do people know who they are in Christ? Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you mentioned your own identity, you know, that that's good too. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking to, to John. I read a book years ago. It was actually a book for women, but um, it's called Captivating by yeah. uh, John and Stacey Eldridge. I think she's the primary... Um, author, and I had a reason for actually bringing that up. Why did I bring it up? I don't remember it because it escaped my head. So maybe because it, it talks about who you are and your identity. No, no. Oh, this is why. Because they they write. They, thank you. That that jogged a memory. They write. Oh, I lost it again. Dear God, help me. <laughs> oh, a woman. They they write. I forget who it was. Whether him or her. He said, "A woman is not a problem to be fixed, but a person to be known." Yeah, yeah. that's good. And I don't remember a whole lot from the book, except I'm probably doing everything wrong. And, um, but yeah, that just stands out to me is a woman is not a problem to be fixed, but a person to be known. And that really is across the board, you know, Absolutely. especially with, when someone comes in quote to our office, whatever your office might be to your church, to your, you know, to, to cause you whatever it looks like for you guys listening. When someone comes to you, you know, we, we typically, we want to fix them. We want to help them, you know, like Friday night, my, uh, it's, it's now, this day, Wednesday? Wednesday, Wednesday. So five days ago, um, my mom on the next day called me and said, uh, my, my sister lives with my mom and my stepdad and said that, um, my sister had relapsed again and was taken by ambulance to the ER and was passed out coma, something. And, um, they released her two days later, two and a half days later, still passed out, but her vitals were good. So they let her go. And, you know, immediately, plus my mom, uh, six weeks ago was diagnosed with breast cancer and having some um, adverse reactions to the, the medication she's taking right now. So they're like 1,100 miles away. And so I, as I'm sitting here, as I'm sitting here listening to my mom, I'm trying to think, how can I, um, how can I help? How can I help my mom? How can I yeah. fix this thing? You know, that's just the way I, I think. But I have to ultimately realize I can't. I yep. can't fix it. I can't That's fix right. my sister. I can't fix my mom. I can't take away her cancer. I can't. I mean, I, I know someone who can, you know, and, and so ultimately it's like when we surrender control, and I think a lot of that, for me anyway, when, when people come in, that's the hardest part of my job is seeing people make poor decisions time and time and time again, and yet we can't fix them. Yeah. But yet, just to keep introducing them without quote, preaching at them, just keep introducing them to the one who can change them. Yeah. And then also try to provide a network of support that maybe can, can help facilitate that change. I want to add to that. Um, I, there are a lot of people who live with this shame lie in their own hearts, and they believe 
um, if you actually knew me, mm-hmm. you wouldn't love me. And maybe yes. because Jesus told you to love me, you would, but you certainly yeah. wouldn't like me. And so um, this, I, I just think there's a lot of people, and maybe some of you who are even listening to this today, who have this secret lie in your head, like, I don't want to be fully known. I want to keep up boundaries because if somebody knew all the things, they would reject me. And, you know, maybe there have been things that have... Um, have shown them that through their lifetime. I mean, there sure. maybe they're the way that something happened in their childhood. And then they started agreeing with that lie. They started believing that lie. And I think that so often if we simply sit with somebody and, and give them the space to be known, and then we can still show them that they're not just lovable, they're likable, which is actually, I think, sometimes a step further. I mean, again, yeah. we're supposed to love, okay? But we actually, I actually like you too. I think you're great. And when we can do that, when, when somebody feels that, it's so freeing. Like it really helps you to let go of um, the, the things that you've done to cope with that, you know, to cope with that lie that you've lived with your whole life. And so I think when we can expose that or counteract that through the relationships and through mm-hmm. just knowing people, and, and, uh, surrounding them, even in the midst of, you know, I know, I know all the times you drank. I know all the fights you had with your husband. I know how nasty you got and the yucky things you said, and I still like you. And when people kind of can, can hear that, I think that really, that matters a lot to people. I, I think it matters a lot, like a ton, because, you know, as people realize that they are likable, it aids in this road to recovery because, oh yeah. my goodness, you like me no matter what I've done. Mm -hmm. So maybe now I can share these things with you and I can actually accept your help. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge step. Yeah. And and you, Amy, you said something earlier. Um, you know, we don't want to just give a a handout and in in our world, we say something else. What is that? Do you remember, you know what I'm thinking? Well, we, we say, uh, we want to give them a hand up, not a handout. So we, we reach up and we grab their hand and we help pull them up, but only if they reach out, we're not trying to just give a handout. We're not trying to just fix people. We're trying to help people who are helping themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and allowing God to, to minister to them and love them and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think for time purposes, what we might end here. Um, this, this might sound odd, but I'm actually going to ask Amy. Amy, if, if there's someone listening at some point in the future and um, is hearing this, and maybe this is kind of speaking, kind of getting them, speaking to their hearts a little bit, would you actually pray for them? Sure. Right now? Would that be okay? Yeah. And then I'll end with a really dumb joke, just because that's, that's who, who I you am. are. That's David. Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Uh, so God, thank you for um, loving us despite the choices that we make. And thank you that you don't define us by the things we do, the things we think, the things we've said, the choices we've made. But instead, you define us by you and your love for us. You define us by what Jesus did on the cross. And I pray um, for each listener here today. Um, that you would um, just encounter them in that place of identity. And I pray that we would define ourselves by how you see us rather than how the world sees us, um, that we would learn how to um, see ourselves rightly um, according to your scriptures and according to your truth rather than according to the things that have hurt us in the past or the, the people who have um, harmed us. And God, we pray that um, you would just break off those old chains, um, those lies um, the, the lies of shame and, and the lies of condemnation, and instead that you would define each person um, by who you are. God, I pray for any listener here 
um, who maybe is curious about a relationship with you. Maybe they don't know you, but they would like to understand more. And I pray that you would uh, help them to find someone to, um, to walk them through what that means and what that looks like. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people out there who, who know you, Jesus, but they're still living in that place of pain and condemnation and bad choices, um, coping in wrong ways. And I pray that you would help them to find mentors and um, people in their lives um, who can walk alongside them and um, love them um, despite the choices that they've made. And I pray that um, you would just touch them in a, in a significant and a powerful way. So um, yeah, we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you. And if someone's listening over kind of in Sioux County, where, what's a good way for them to contact Atlas of Sioux Center? Yeah, um, so our, our website is probably a good way to find us. Okay, which is? Um, www.atlasofsiouxcenter.org. Okay. And um, there's also an Atlas in Orange City, which is also in Sioux County. And then we have a satellite in Rock Valley as well. And also, if there's anybody out there in the webiverse who wants to know more about starting an Atlas, um, it would also be good to, um, you can certainly contact Atlas Group, um, and that would be, that website is um, atlasgroupltd.org, um, and you can contact Jerry, and he will um, uh, walk you through what it means to help um, start an Atlas, and um, so this is, a, this is a service in our communities that's free. Um, for anybody who comes in and it's supported by the community and it's really as David said earlier tailor-made for the community where the board and the director get to decide the expression of Atlas um, it's just really uh, helping people in the name of Jesus cool well again thank you Megan and Amy for your time and before we go you ready here we go the big finish people are normally shocked when they find out I'm a bad electrician <laughs> okay and with that, we will say adieu, parting is that sweet sorrow. See you guys next time. Thank you for joining us.